International headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in the southern suburbs of Nashville, in the heart of Tennessee, with Tennessee and the world at heart. This is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. I'm delighted to welcome you today. This is Wednesday, it's the midweek, and I always like to remind you that it's a great time to be in church, and I hope you're in a good church and that you'll be there for the midweek. And of course, this is National Sword of the Lord Conference Week, and we are in full swing. I mean, everything is up and running at the Gospelite Baptist Church in Walkertown, North Carolina. People have come to see us from all over, I mean, from a lot of places, and we are having a great time. Now, we'll get underway again today. First service begins at 9.30, workshops at 8.30, and we'll run till noon, and then take a lunch break at 1.30 in the afternoon. There are more workshops, including my School of the Prophets, that we do for an hour and a half every afternoon. And then tonight, again, a doubleheader, two services, two speakers, a couple of hours there, starting at 7 o'clock in the evening. Now, we'll do that all again tomorrow, and it's running fast. I mean, it'll be over before you know it. So I hope you'll plan to be with us. Come if you possibly can. Every seat is a free seat. Everybody's a walk-in, and we will be delighted to see you there. Now, this week, as well as last week, we've taken time to walk through that story in the Bible that Jesus gave that we call the parable of the prodigal. And this series I've entitled The Profiling of a Prodigal. And here's what we've done. Today is day eight and the final day that we'll do this. But uh, here's what we looked at. We've looked at the prodigal's rebellious self, his loving father, his journey downward, his home away from home, his blessed revival, his rewarding restoration, his ugly brother. And now today we're going to look at one more piece of this story, and it is about the message that this has for us. What is the message for us as we profile the prodigal? Well, here it is, very succinctly stated in two verses in this passage, namely in verse 24 and again in verse 32. Here it is. The father says, For this my son was dead and is alive again, He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. In verse 32, he says, after the brother, the older brother, had misbehaved and rejected the reception of his younger brother coming back, the father again says, It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Now, I've made the point repeatedly, and I make it here again. This is not about the salvation of an unsaved boy. This is about a backslider. This is about somebody who was a son in the father's house. He was a son when he left the house. He was a son in the pigsty in the far country, and he was a son every step of the way. Now, that just makes very clear what the passage says, what it tells us. And very frankly, I've enjoyed these days as we have looked at Luke 15 and discovered all of these principles and things that are laying right here in front of us. Now, today we're going to look at the main point of it all, and that is the message that is here for us. Now, we found lessons, we found messages all the way along, but what is the primary consideration? Well, let's look at it carefully. You know, there are three parables here in this chapter, Uh, one about the lost sheep, 
the second one about the lost coin, and then the third one about this, what is called the lost boy. Now, in each case, the lostness is just something that has been misplaced. Uh, it is not gone forever, but it is something that is misplaced. And in each case, it is something of value, and it cannot be found. It's Where did it go? Where is it? What's going on here? Well, the sheep, when it goes missing, what's the deal? Well, you're not going to be able to get wool off of that sheep because it's, it's gone. And uh, in reference to the coin, because it's been misplaced, you're not going to be able to buy anything with that coin. It'll have to be found uh, before you can spend it. And with the sun, well, no work's getting done. No fellowship is being had. So something is out of place. And when things are out of place, then things are not right. Things are not normal. Things are not where they need to be. So the thing is, in each case, in these parables, something is out of place. But in all three parables, some things are different. For example, the sheep that got lost, I mean, do you think he's going to just wander in by himself? Well, sheep are followers, and the likelihood of this sheep, after he's been out somewhere in the wilderness or somewhere in a distant field, the likelihood of him coming back just wandering in, it is very unlikely. He will perhaps become a victim to predators. It is very likely that he will. Now, the coin will have to be found by somebody, just like the sheep as well. Somebody will have to go get that sheep. Now, the son, in contradistinction to those two, the son, he had control of his destiny. He had control of where he was. He had control of what he did and when he did it. And that's why when he took off, headed down to the far country, it was his choice. And whenever he came to himself and decided to come back home, that too was his choice. So all three parables have something in common, but they also have some differences about them. Well, here's the point to be made when we profile the prodigal. The father is the hero of this parable. He is the big star of this parable. And here's why we say that. Now, you will remember when we talk about the father, this father is representative of our heavenly father. And what we see in him tells us something about our heavenly father. Now, the heavenly father has demonstrated his goodness and his goodness is untainted. I mean, you'll not find even one little slight flaw, not any single imperfection at all. His goodness is untainted. Not only that, but his grace is unlimited. You cannot figure out what he is unwilling to do. He will do by his goodness and by his grace whatever is needed. His compassion is unparalleled. I mean, whenever somebody has betrayed you, as this boy did, and yet you show compassion on them, I mean, that's hardly natural. It's a supernatural thing. And his giving, I'm talking about the father, his giving is unrestrained. I mean, when this boy comes back home, what does he do? He says, best robe, get a ring on his hand, get shoes on his feet, kill the fatted calf, let's celebrate. His giving is unrestrained, and his leadership is unimpeded. You say, what do you mean by that? I'm just simply saying, whenever the boy showed up, the father didn't call a committee meeting. The father didn't call the servants in and say, let's talk about this. The father didn't say, now, uh, let's have a family meeting and we'll see how we feel about it. The father announced immediately 
what was going to take place and how it was going to be handled. That's leadership, and he was absolutely unimpeded. He stood up immediately and made the announcement, I mean, this is where we're going, this is where we're headed. And by the way, in all of that, his delight is unreserved. He is just absolutely thrilled, and he wants everybody to know it. And not only that, but whenever we look at all of this, I'm talking about his goodness, his grace, his compassion, his giving, his leadership, his delight— The message is unmistakable. Dear friend, God loves us, and we have to see that. I mean, even when we're unsaved, God so loved the world. The fact is, when we become his children, God loves us all the more, and we are special in his sight because we are part of his family. So let me ask you this question. What is it that we're to take away from this profiling of the prodigal? this message that we have here in Luke 15. What are we to take away from that? Well, let me just give you a few things here that I think stand out, and that is the message that is here for us. Number one, the Lord God is paying attention. He, represented by the Father, is in full attention mode. He pays attention to us. Secondly, I think we have to acknowledge that issues do happen along the way. Could we have prevented the prodigal from taking off to the far country? I don't know. Was there something that could have been done? Probably not. He's got a burr under his saddle. He's got a bee in his bonnet, as we say, and he is just absolutely not going to be pacified. He's not going to be satisfied. He's going to go out and plunder around in the world because he has bought into some of the messaging that has come to him. And this, of course, is an issue that we wish would never have happened, but it did happen, and we have to pay attention to that. Now, some things have no good explanation. I mean, why in the world would a boy who had everything, he had every comfort imaginable, he had position, he had things coming to him, and yet he would go and pull a stunt like this? I mean, there's no real explanation for that, except the devil got into it, and when the devil gets into the details, I mean, you can be sure that uh, some of this is going to sour, and it's not going to be what it needs to be. So we see that uh, we have no good explanation for this, and any time that things are misplaced, things get out of place, get out of the will of God, there is going to be stress, and there is inevitably going to be hurt, and that is the case here. The boy was hurt, his dad was hurt, and the elder brother was hurt, and probably a lot of other people whose names are not mentioned here. When things are out of place, they're misplaced, you cannot expect anything good to come from that. Now, we also have to acknowledge that uh, this passage teaches us that the grace of God is readily available. I mean, whenever you think about it, I mean, imagine that boy down in the far country and all of the trashy things that he's done, and yet on a day he comes to himself and he says, I'm going back home. I mean, what kind of of trip that must have been. I mean, the first time he comes down the road, I mean, he's hopping and skipping and having a big time. He's got money in his pocket. He's just saying, man, I'm free. I'm going to go do what I want to do. But on the way back, I'm telling you, it's a different story. It reminds me of flying in and out of some of these places like Vegas here in our country, where Many times on flights when I've flown in and maybe had to change planes there and the folks were all excited and going in, but coming out of there, I'm telling you, a lot of those flights are not uh, all that happy because people go and they lose their money. So you and I have to realize, you know, 
there is a problem whenever this kind of thing develops, and it is something that does not bring happiness. Now, the grace of God is always available to us, and it tells us there is a way back. I mean, as tragic as the situation is, there is a way back. And I want you to understand that, dear friend. I may be talking right down into your wheelhouse today, and uh, you say, listen, I used to go to church. I used to walk with God. I used to be serving God. Some of you were very active at one point, but you've gotten sidetracked. You've gotten off trail. And I want you to know there's a way back. It's not an easy way in the sense that uh, you may have to swallow your pride. You may have to back away. You may have to not worry about being red-faced. But I'm just saying, by the grace and goodness of God, there is a way back, and it's a way you ought to take. Learn from the prodigal. I mean, when he got back, I mean, uh, all signals were go. And this should teach us, I mean, if anything, the profiling of this prodigal should show us the foolishness of being a prodigal. If you're on the edge, dear friend, if you're about to cave into some of this and head down the trail to the far country, don't go there. It is not the trip you need to take. Stay home and do what you ought to do, and you'll be glad you did long before the day is done. And so we've looked carefully at this prodigal story, and it's been quite a message that we need to hear. Now, don't forget, National Sword Conference is underway, and we hope to see you here today or tomorrow, and we'll look forward to that. I also would like to hear from you. I trust that you'll write me a note. Let me know that you hear the broadcast. Write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Well, listen, until tomorrow, God bless you. Have a good rest of this day, and goodbye for now.